It takes more than outrageously well-developed biceps to be a great software engineer. This is episode 81 of the Soft Skills Engineering Podcast. I'm your host, Jameson Dance. <laughs> I'm your host, Dave Smith. Soft Skills Engineering is a podcast where we talk about all of the non-technical things that go into being a good software developer, like biceps. <laughs> Technically, those are not technical. That's right. <laughs> and just because you have giant biceps doesn't mean you're a great software developer. So no, but it is I like, said it is like lie. the first step, right? Yeah, I mean, you gotta <laughs> clearly you have to walk before you can run, and you have to curl before you can <laughs> lib curl. Oh, <laughs> lib curl! <laughs> oh, oh my okay. goodness. I'm just going to bask in the pun oh. afterglow for a while. <laughs> <laughs> the after curl. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Uh, well, we've got some questions. Should we read them? I don't even know if we need to. We could just end the episode now. <laughs> it's a short one. See ya. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll throw in some bonus questions. Okay, yeah. These are just purely bonus. Yeah. Do you want to read the the first question? Yeah, sure. This comes from an anonymous listener who says... I was recently hired as a tech lead at a product engineering company. I used to be a senior developer, so I'm still learning how to bring value to my team as a lead. One of the things I'd like to do is to help everyone on the team grow and learn how to make good technical decisions. However, one of the mid-level developers does not seem interested. His mindset, as he's said multiple times, is he likes to get very clear specs for tasks and do them without any decision making. I don't think that's good for his career, but... He doesn't see it the, the way I do because he's been in the industry for two years and I've been in for 20 years. What do you think a tech lead's role should be in this situation? This guy is the bad guy in every management motivational story about how you need to empower your people and you can't have them feel like just cogs in a machine. This guy's like, <laughs> I, I want to be a cog and the machine <laughs> needs to be more efficient so I can be a better cog. <laughs> I love being a cog. What are you talking about? Yeah. I bet, I wonder if, I bet this guy's happy, honestly. Like, it sounds pretty great to just be like, I just do my work and I do what people tell me and then I go home. Like, probably and lives a satisfying life to him. Another day, another dollar. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, we've agreed with him. Yeah. This, you know, there are days that I crave <laughs> just having someone give me a really well-defined task, do it, yeah. and then having them say, Good job doing that task. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, it's okay, comforting. give me the next one. <laughs> Let's do that again. Yeah. It's comforting. Have you <sighs> have you tried telling him he has to do what you say or he's fired? <laughs> but he's like, I want to do what you say. <laughs> <laughs> you have to engage more with your work or you're fired. <laughs> oh. <laughs> hmm. I mean, we did kind of joke about it, but it might be okay for this person to do that. Well, yeah, he's been a software developer for two years. Get off his back. Yeah. <laughs> Dude just wants to sling some sweet code. Yeah. If if he's happy doing it and if this the work he's doing is, is good, I don't know that it's ideal, but it, it might be okay. Ideal from what perspective? Like measured by so, what? I know, for example, Khan Academy has is as part of their engineering culture. It's that people develop and grow, and if people fail mm -hmm. to develop and grow, then then they get laid off. 
Mm-hmm. So the expectation is you will improve, you'll become better, you'll take on harder things as you spend more time there. Mm-hmm. But not every place is like that. I mean, mm-hmm. it might just be the same person that does all the kind of mid to low level tasks the whole time instead of that rotating through people as they come in with less experience. Mm, yeah. Or maybe they so, leave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I Have you ever known anyone with about, I don't know, 10 plus years of experience who's still able to maintain this cushy lifestyle? I have not worked with someone like that. I know of people like that. I have worked with one person like this. And he, you know, it's crazy. He was really happy (laughs) with his little rut that he had carved out for himself. And when his, this is, I may have talked about him on the show before, but I remember one time his manager came to him and said, we want to give you a raise. And he said, stop that. Stop giving me these raises. (laughs) I don't want the extra responsibility that comes with the extra money. And they were oh like, oh, so, sorry, sorry. Like he literally this just wanted to has, do his job. He has hacked the matrix. <laughs> <laughs> the real world. Yeah. And he had literally been doing that for 20 years. And this was like five oh or six goodness. years ago that I worked with him. So, so I don't know. I think if you could be happy doing that, then go for it. There is absolutely a place for you in this world, if that's what you want to do as a software developer for the rest of your life. Yeah, it turns out there are a lot of cog-shaped holes (laughs) (laughs) everywhere. Usually you have to get crammed into one, but (laughs) this person might just fit neatly. (laughs) But um, I do think that it is limiting in certain aspects. Like there is a limit to your compensation. You will eventually be compensated uh, for what you can be compensated for, which is lower than if you were to take on leadership responsibilities or take on more responsibility for the product direction. Um, but honestly, you know, I this is a funny story, but I asked my manager, no, he, my manager's manager at this company where I worked with this guy who had been doing the cog thing for 20 years. And I said, mm-hmm. I said, hey, I, I'm just curious. What's the difference in pay between this guy and this other guy, this other guy had been like super influential, big time leader in the company and lots of work. And he says to me, 30%. And I was like, huh. that's not very much money. <laughs> what I yeah. Like, I was like, 30% is all you he get. He probably does a lot less than 30% less effort. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Because I, I was thinking it was going to be like double at least, right? Yeah, But no, it's like, no, if you want to like just absolutely drive yourself into the ground, be a huge leader, big and impactful, take on tons of responsibility and stress, you can make 30% more than the cog guy. (laughs) You too. (laughs) So that was just one company, one data point from several years ago. But boy, I sure was envious of the cog guy at that point. Yeah. So we've, we've taken his side a little bit too much. I feel like, yeah, I think you're right. I think I think question asker, your desire to help your team grow is admirable and and right. And I think that's one of the one of the responsibilities of being a tech lead. You also have ten times the experience of this guy. <laughs> Literally ten times. <laughs> yeah. So twenty years versus two years. It's possible that he just he or she, I guess you didn't say that this person is just not that far along in their career development. And what you know at 20 years about how to contribute technically, they don't know yet. 
and mm-hmm. it, it's taking more than you saying, hey, you need to contribute more to, to make them do that. So it might just take some time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could. I think this is a big challenge because you know that you're right in wanting to help this person grow and develop and become better and, mm-hmm. and maybe even against their will. And that's the part that makes it so hard, right? Because you have to convince them that they need to change and grow. But boy, is it hard to do yeah. that. Yeah. You ever heard the phrase, a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still? Yes. I heard it on this podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, crap. I've started recycling material. <laughs> <laughs> Time for me to hang it up. <laughs> I, I remember when I was a more junior developer that clarity was very important to me. And I lacked the ability to work in environments of uncertainty. I would mm-hmm. just get paralyzed when the task involved I don't know, figure out what to do. So I, I think some of it might be not wanting to grow, but a lot of it might just be inexperience. They, be, they yeah, just don't just have be, the skills. Maybe you need to help this person become comfortable with ambiguity. And yeah. the way you do that is the way you do anything is practice. So maybe hand them tasks that have a certain, just a small level of ambiguity, maybe, maybe just a single decision. Like in the Jira story, you just write, you need to decide between tool X and tool Y to do this job. That's your task. Mm. You know, and make them venture out a little bit into the water, make some decisions, but not too much. Don't give them too much rope and see how they do. And maybe they'll go, wow, that was fun. Like I made a decision and now I own it. And now the rest of the team is benefiting because of something I contributed. Hmm. That's cool. Well, have we answered this question? Well, I, there's one more thing I want to say about it, which is, uh, I wouldn't feel too bad if you don't sense that you're able to reach this person and help them achieve what goals you think they should have for themselves. (laughs) Sorry, that was a little snide. (laughs) But remember that as team lead, depending on the company, you probably have one main goal, which is to deliver the product that your team is responsible to deliver. And that is probably the number one goal. And if you can do that with this person, with their skills and the level of development where it is, then mission accomplished. So don't you know, don't completely beat yourself up if this person is not really coming around to your way of thinking. If they're still delivering the stuff that they're supposed to be delivering, you know, at least they're doing that. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. That's, uh, you might feel like you're failing, but your broader goals might be being met. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, it seems answered enough. <laughs> awesome. Good luck Good out luck. there. <laughs> yeah. You want to read our next question, Jameson? I do, yeah. This one's a little bit longer, but the detail's important, so we'll read a lot. This is from an anonymous listener. I recently quit my job at a large corporation. I was unhappy with management and the culture, which I told my boss a few months before quitting. After giving my two weeks notice, I spent the first week getting some last-minute work done and transitioned over to my team. But at the start of my second week, my manager called me in for a one-on-one and told me that they have no more work for me, told me to turn in my equipment by 6 p.m. that day, I would still get paid for the final week, but I felt like he was pushing me out of the office. I'm talking with a friend of mine who works at the same company, but on a different team. He told me this happened to three of his workmates. My questions are, what is typically the motivation behind managers who do this? Is it normal practice at companies? Should I chalk it up to poor management or did I not handle something correctly? Hmm. I think you just got five free vacation days. (laughs) (laughs) How would you like some paid vacation? <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. Yeah, that sounds that sounds great. <laughs> I 
I could see how I would feel bad if you, you sound like you're pretty engaged in your work. If you still had this strong of a desire to finish out strong from your two weeks. So that, that could feel bad, but there is an upside to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why would a manager do this? What do you think, Dave? I honestly have no idea. I, the only time I would push someone out the door quickly would be if they had done something really egregious and needed to be fired immediately. I would never let it go halfway through their two-week period and then push them out the door. It's like, if I have a reason to push them out the door, I'd do it on day one. I wouldn't let it sit for a week and then push them out. And since they didn't push this person out on day one, then I don't see any reason not to let them finish out their two weeks and help get everything transitioned. Hmm. So this is a puzzler to me. I do not understand the motivation here. I mean, I could see it if you feel like the team member is kind of dragging the team down, maybe they're they're getting a little lazy. They just like kick their feet up on their desk and laugh at you as you feverishly work <laughs> on your story points. <laughs> there is no next sprint. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> I could see that draining the energy of the team a little bit and feeling like, okay, we'll, we'll be better off if they're just not here. Even if we pay them for doing no work, at least they're not doing negative work. It doesn't sound like that is the case with you. You sound like you were pretty engaged in all your tasks. But what exactly did you say every day during stand-up? You know? <laughs> well, no blockers. Updating my LinkedIn. Yeah. No blockers. <laughs> uh, can I expense LinkedIn premium? <laughs> it would really help me get this button moved (laughs) hmm hmm so i mean oh go ahead i was gonna say i'm gonna latch on to the word large corporation here in the question and say there's probably some messed up slow bureaucracy effects that are taking place here i have heard of companies that have a policy to push people out as soon as they say they're quitting to say okay get out as soon as you can and maybe there's just some like bureaucratic latency where that that message took a while to percolate through the slow meat-based communication mechanism that they have and finally the boss Mm -hmm. was like oh crap i'm supposed to push you out but it took a week to figure that out. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you're right about the culture. <laughs> you, you met with your boss several months before quitting about how it wasn't a good fit. And, and it turns out you were right. So you, you made were. the right decision. Congratulations. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I think I, to, to specifically answer this question, what is typically the motivation behind managers who do this? I have no idea. Is it normal practice at companies? No, I don't think so. I've quit... I don't know, like seven companies now, and I've never had this happen. Should I chalk it up to poor management? Yes. (laughs) Yes, I think you should. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know that it's malicious, but it feels a little bit careless, maybe. Now, there were some other details here that we uh, summarized over, but um, this person did have an exit interview with HR (coughs) and explained why uh, this person was leaving. And I think that... If you told the truth about how you're dissatisfied with the culture and management, um, it's possible that that news traveled back to your manager and maybe they have a policy that once a person starts disparaging the company or in any way that's perceived as as disparaging, then they need to rush you out the door faster. Maybe it's a protection mechanism that they've developed over the years. And Mm. I think the lesson that could be learned here is that HR exit interviews, you have absolutely nothing to gain by bearing all at that moment. 
it can yeah. only it can only hurt you. So it's good to have some discipline in that moment and just share the things that you think will benefit you or your team. And I have a really funny story about this. <laughs> Hit me. So one of my friends was leaving a company that I worked for. Loved this company. But we were a small office in a bigger company. So we had kind of big company stability with small company perks and culture. And oh, cool. uh, one of the things I was a little unhappy with is I felt like we should be paid more. I, I felt like I didn't really know for sure, but I felt like we were under market. And so one of my buddies decided to quit for unrelated reasons and went to another company. And he sat down with me and he said, I'm having my HR exit interview tomorrow. What do you want me to say? (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, this is awesome. Yes. Tell him that the only reason you're quitting is because you aren't paid enough. (laughs) And he was like, no problem. (laughs) And he did. So he came back from his HR interview and he goes, I sang like a canary. (laughs) (laughs) He said, I mentioned it like four times. You know, and they would say, is there any other reason, anything else you'd like to share with us? Yeah, you just don't pay us enough. The only reason I'm leaving is money. And sure enough, it was a few months later, they did an office-wide salary adjustment and everyone got a small raise. And I was wow. like, thanks, buddy. So yeah, like that was a chance for him to make a difference for us. And he did. But he, I'm sure he had some frustrations with the company. And sharing those would not have done any good for him. But instead, he did was a Did you construct hero. a statue in his honor? Because, <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a guy. <laughs> it was so nice. Yeah, I mean, it was great. That's amazing. Alternatively, how much money did that guy cost the company? <laughs> this is a, a like a two hundred thousand dollar exit. Oh yeah, I mean, it was like it was like a five percent across the board raise for like eighty people. So, oh my goodness. <laughs> uh, I mean, if they were below market. So just some that, quick math. I'm going to say yeah, that that was yeah. a quarter million dollar. Oh geez, <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> Okay. I I see your point. I uh I haven't really had a disgruntled HR exit interview ever, but I almost did once in my very first non-academic programming job. I I had some grievances. I told my dad I was going to let him have it and he was like, "Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Under no circumstances do you do that." He talked a lot about burning bridges. Mhm. But he he also politely brought up what you said that the time when you have the least power ever is when you don't work there anymore. So it's not like they're gonna fix all this stuff that you told them are are problems. It also underscores the common trope that HR's job is to protect the company, not necessarily serve your interests. Bingo. Yeah. In this case, it doesn't. I mean, getting asked to leave work a week early, still getting paid. That's not a drastic consequence but no it's fine yeah uh companies aren't really set up to take great negative feedback through hr (laughs) it's not (laughs) a great way to enact change um yeah and and you're basing that on some of the stuff we've read over the last couple of years right like where people report stuff to hr and then it actually gets worse for them at that point yeah basically every tech company workplace scandal that involves hr that i can think of now however there there is a little bit of uh, sample bias there which is where you only read the blog articles about the people who for whom it went badly you know no one ever writes i took a complaint to hr and they fixed it and now i'm publishing a think piece on medium (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) and uh, i got my severance that has a non-disparagement agreement and i'm gonna spend it all on this medium <laughs> thing piece <laughs> 
so i and and i haven't really taken a lot of uh issues to hr myself but having known a few hr people pretty well i gotta say i think they would work pretty hard to make my complaints uh get attention i really do the ones that i've known yeah that's true they just have i think it might be more about the incentives than the people they yeah. they work for the company yeah, um, yeah and the company exactly. pays them money and it can be hard to feel like how do i balance the concerns of this individual with the health of the company mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. exactly not to hmm. mention my own job so I'm going to say in my final conclusion on this is 99% chance you didn't do anything wrong, but you may have shared a little bit too much detail in your exit interview that, that may have motivated this weird move. Yeah, not, so I don't think that means there's no mechanism for feedback. I think, I think if you have, well, ugh, in this case, it sounds like you didn't love your manager either. I was going to say, if you have a trusted <laughs> manager, that's a great way to share feedback. If you don't, though, <laughs> then you, I, I don't know. You don't necessarily want to just like gossip with your former colleagues. Mm-hmm. What do you do? You just suck it up. Well, if you don't like the culture of the company and there's no way to change it, you leave the company and find one that you do like, which is exactly what this person did. So, yeah, but you just I think the only tiny modification of behavior is to slip out the door without, you know, airing your grievances. And yeah, even that's questionable. I don't even know if anything really went all that wrong here. And, yeah. you know, frankly, if I could quit a job, give two weeks notice and only work one week, that'd be great. <laughs> I'd make up some grievances. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it would cover, cover some grievances. Um, you know, the LaCroix just that you didn't have enough flavors. I don't know that reference. It was flat. Oh, you don't know the startup water, <laughs> LaCroix? No. <laughs> it's It's like sparkling water. But for some reason, tech people like it. Okay. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I have no, it doesn't taste good. Wait, so I this is, fathom. this is a real product. It, yeah. It's, it's like in every startup, their fridge is stocked with LaCroix. They oh, have okay. their kombucha on tap and also the fridge full of LaCroix. I don't know what that other thing is either. Kombucha is like hipster tea. <laughs> I'm so out of touch. Yeah. Yo, foggy. You know, I can't even remember the last time I've been to Silicon Valley. Dave, how do you acquire and attract talent and retain people if you don't have hipster tea and startup water? I don't know. Uh, charm? <laughs> okay. That's probably <laughs> it's my slicked back salesman hair that everyone trusts. <laughs> Look at his hair. What a straight shooter. <laughs> All right. I think we've answered the question. How do you feel? Yeah, I think so too. I think all in all, this could have gone a lot worse. <laughs> it could have gone a lot worse. Yeah, yeah. And it sounds like it'll get a lot better. Yeah, absolutely. Good job and congratulations. All right. Um, we actually, we, we haven't had a lot of questions recently. We would love to get more questions. We're working through our backlog, but we also love fresh ones. If you have a question you would love to get answered, how can, how can they do that, Dave? They go over to softskills.audio, which is our website, and click the Ask a Question button. It's very easy. You can fill it out on your phone or even on your computer with the uh, keyboard thing that you type with two hands. Mm. Uh, you may be that familiar thing. with that. It looks like a typewriter. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, yes. you, those of you who have had your questions answered on the show, you may have noticed that we definitely have a bias for newer questions. I don't know why 
but we tend to focus in on those. And after they've sat in the backlog for a little while, they kind of tend to get ignored. So apologies. If it's been a while, maybe you want to resubmit. (laughs) 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 We've noticed that it's Feast or Famine. Sorry, go ahead. Maybe spice up the language a little bit, throw in (laughs) some adjectives. Work work on your pitch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, go to softskills.audio. Send us your questions. We'd love to have them. We love hearing about your woes. Um, even if you just want to tell us about an outcome from a situation, we would love to hear about it. Maybe you had a crappy exit interview with HR and tell us about your horror stories. There was a great series. Or a good one. Yeah, maybe you had a great exit interview. Yeah, and if you had a good HR experience. I really, really enjoyed the dozen or so stories people sent in about uh, bad interview experiences over the last year or so. Those were awesome. Oh, yeah. So if you have bad exit interview experiences or bad, you know, giving your notice experiences, we would love to hear about them. We feed vampire-like upon your suffering. So keep (laughs) us nourished. Give us all those bad experiences. Give Mm -hmm. us all those tricky situations. Yes. We will give you wisdom in exchange. And it feeds us, but it also helps you with catharsis. And you can release all these bad feelings. So consider us your therapist and we'll send you an invoice. (laughs) all right i think that means we're done absolutely catch you next week